Man, happy birthday, Providence. This is exciting. What a fun morning being one year old, finally. This feels, this feels pretty good. Now, if you've been here uh, since the beginning, I, mean, I feel like we don't just say this enough, but if you've been around and you said yes early on, uh, I just really want to say thank you. You know, we can see people up on stage, we can see some of these things that happen, um, but Providence Church would not have been planted and we would not be here celebrating today unless a group of people said yes right away. Uh, Unless a group of you committed to sacrificing really good things, leaving really good places to go and plant a new church. And so uh, Gabe had asked, man, what what were some of the things that that you've uh, remembered or highlights over the last year? And I started to think... um, Man, I've loved seeing over the last year real people that I know who before we planted this church were walking in sin and who were far from God, and today they've been saved by Jesus Christ. Like, that's amazing. This is amazing that God is doing this. I've seen, I've seen people who were kind of wandering, who were disconnected, who were hurting, who had no real church family today feel like Providence Church is their home, who feel like they've reconnected with their Lord and with a people, and that's amazing. I've seen people use gifts and talents and skills. I mean, you're holding this book right there that a number, seven or eight different people put in hours over the last two months putting this resource together so that all of us as a church family could walk with God in greater ways. And that's, that's amazing, right? I've seen people who, who literally over the last year have been enslaved to addictions, who felt the weight of sin and shame on them who today are walking in freedom, who are walking in this like newness of life. And that's amazing. Providence, people are following Jesus, are loving Jesus. People have met Jesus because of this church and what God is doing through you guys. And so thank you. Thank you for you guys being a part of what's been going on the last year. Now, I should also say, if you're brand new, if this is your very first week, um, you're jumping in an amazing time. Like this is Perfect. We we're just launching into the fall, and our hope is that we never say, okay, we've reached one year, or we've reached five years, or we've reached two services, or whatever, and we say, okay, now we're good. No, we want to be a church that's continually reaching out to more people. We want to be a church because we believe we have this message of hope and salvation that we could get it to the whole city, that we could get it to the nations. We want to see churches planted all over because we believe Jesus is still moving. And so if you're new here today, we want to say welcome. And we want to say that we're hoping that this is going to become your home as well. So this is why we plant churches, man. This is why we do what we do to see new people know Jesus and to see the gospel go forward. So um, that's why we're celebrating today. That's what we're excited about. So uh, let me pray really quick for us for this morning and for the readings, and then uh, we're going to jump into our series. So uh, pray with me. Father, you are so good. We are here to celebrate, not that we have done amazing things, but just through our submission to you, you have done amazing things through us. That you've chosen to use people like us in a little neighborhood, in a little church, in a big city here, um, to impact people with the gospel. God, we pray for more and more. I pray for this series specifically that we would see more people meet Jesus, that we would get to do another baptism right here in about two months because more people have met you through what you're going to do through your word in this series. So God, would you help us now? Would you give us really sharp minds as we look at uh, what you're doing in the world? Would you give us soft hearts so this would not just be knowledge, but that we would, 
worship you. Would you guard us from error, and would you keep us close to you? pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, this morning, as we are launching this new series, uh, I want to start with just one very simple question. That's going to be the question that we're going to answer this morning. And as I say it, you probably will feel like it's a little simplistic or easy, but... um, but I got to tell you, I think it's when we get this question wrong, when our answer to this question is off, um, I think this leads to a lot, of, uh, a lot of lack of belief in God, a lot of uh, lack of excitement or lack of joy in our life. I think it's misconceptions to this answer that's really a great error that many of us fall into. And so this morning, we're going to center our whole time around this one question. So, so think for a moment on... What is Christianity? Right? That's simple. Three words. What is Christianity? Think for a moment. Imagine that if you're after this, you're going out to lunch with your family or friends, and the waitress hears that you were at church, and they say, hey, what is, what is Christianity all about? Think about in your mind, how would you answer them? What would you say to what is Christianity? You know, it's interesting to me. It seems like if, if you're to turn anywhere, you'll hear a, a, a lot of varied answers to this. Right? Like if you were to turn on the news, uh, you might hear from newscasters that Christianity is, is simply a, a voting block. Right? It's a demographic um, and, and kind of a, a misled, misguided, and intolerant one at that. Right? We think that Christianity is really just it's a worldview that helps shape how you vote and you do certain things and don't do certain things. And if that's your only conception, you, you might think that's kind of what Christianity is. Or I think if you were to ask man, a, a hundred different people, uh, people here in the church, at other churches, all around uh, the city. If you were to say, hey, what is Christianity? I think we'd get a wide variety of answers, right? Like, I think some people would say, you know, I think Christianity is, it's got something to do with God or, or maybe Jesus. I hear Christians talk about Jesus a lot. You know, Christianity has to do with church, right? The church service, you come here, that's kind of what Christianity is about, or Christianity is about not, you know, drinking or dancing or things like that, right? So some people think that's kind of what it's all about. Some people say, well, you know, Christianity is really about just being good, right? We have to follow our moral leader, Jesus, so we do good things, we don't do bad things. Some people might think, hey, Christianity is really all just about, like, at the end, you either go, like, downstairs or upstairs, and we're hoping to avoid going down, right? And so that's really what Christianity's all about. You know, when I was growing up, I had, uh, I had quite a bit of exposure to the church, and so I grew up a little bit in the Catholic church and a Lutheran church, and I even went to a, a Christian, small little Christian school. And so I had exposure to the Bible and to Christians and to Christian teaching, um, but as I grew up, if you were to ask me, say in like high school, and you were to say, hey, what, what is Christianity all about? Um, I would have probably stumbled through some sort of answer of, well, you know, it's about a belief in God. Right? Like, I, I couldn't have told you anything about that God, but just that there is a God. You know, you got to believe that Jesus is real to some extent. And uh, basically, my idea was, okay, you, you can't swear, you can't do things with girls, and you better get your butt in the pew on Sunday. Like, that's literally what I thought Christianity was about. It was like, you had about five to ten rules that you really had to follow. You have some sort of ethereal belief in God, and, and then you kind of hope at the end that the big God up there is okay with how you live down here, and maybe he'll let you into heaven at the end. Right? That, was, that was my whole mindset of what Christianity was really all about. And so 
I think what, what Jared was kind of alluding to is that, that we want to spend this fall kind of diving deep into this question. Because we as a church want to know for sure and have a firm grasp on this idea of what is our faith all about? What is Christianity all about? We talk about Jesus a lot. What, is that, what, what does he mean? What does he do for us? We talk about the gospel. We say the word gospel all the time. What does that do? What, what are the basic parts of our faith? Because again, I think when we get this question wrong, when we start to deviate and vary off into what this question might be answered with, I think it's when we start to believe that God is just boring or Christianity is confusing or the Bible's irrelevant or, or that ultimately giving our life to ourselves or our jobs or our hobbies or our money or our resources or whatever just seems a lot more enjoyable. So this morning, what I want to do is I'm going to take a really, really broad view at answering this question. All right, so we're going to stay at like 30,000 feet and we're going to look throughout the Bible and just try to get a grasp of what Christianity is all about. Because I, I will just tell you, I don't think it's about a list of thou shalls and thou shall not. I don't think it's only about being here on a Sunday morning. I don't think it's about the level of good and bad you do in life. We believe here at Providence that Christianity at its core is about God making a way for his people to be with him. That that's what Christianity is all about. It's about you and I walking with God. It's about you and I living a life with God. That the presence of God and our being united to him is really what Christianity is about. And so this morning what I want to do is um, we're going to look at a bunch of different passages. And I just want to make the case that that's true. All right, so my hope for you this morning is maybe not that your mind is blown or that you've never thought about any of these things before, but I just want to simply lay a foundation for us all to say, man, Christianity is really about me living life with God. And from that point, we're going to spend the next eight weeks looking at, okay, so what does that mean? Right? So this morning's an overview. We're looking at what this means. The rest of the series is going to be how that actually plays out, which is why we really want to push for you guys to commit to being present for the next eight weeks after this week, because we want to see how this looks in our life. So here's what we're going to do. I got three points that we're going to kind of run through uh, as we trace from the beginning to the end of the Bible. So it's a big task, I realized this morning. So we can do it. I know it's early, but we're going to be able to do it. But here's my three points that we're going to run through. So um, we're going to see first that we were created for life with God. We're going to move into seeing how we were rescued for life with God. And then I want us to see at the end that I want us to view eternity as life with God. Right? Now, the two passages that Jane just read for us, those were kind of the bookends. We saw how we were created and what eternity might look like for you. But what I want to do is those are going to be the bookends, and that'll be relatively quick because if you look at the Bible, those are very, very short on the end. The whole rest of the Bible and the whole rest of human history is how God rescued us to that. And so we're going to spend most of our time in that point. But I want to show us that Christianity is really about life with God by looking at how we were created, how we were rescued, and what eternity looks like. So let's start with the first point. I want us to see that we were created for life with God. So if you've got a Bible, uh, go to the very beginning, Genesis 1 and 2. So Genesis, first book of the Bible, you can go there. Um, also, if you, I'm going to be going through a lot of different passages. If you want, 
Go ahead and flip with me. If you don't want, you can either write them down or all of them are going to be on the screen. So you don't even have to worry about it. If you don't want to flip there, that is totally fine this morning. But Genesis 1, we see that we were created for a life with God. So uh, in the Bible, the the first two chapters are what's called the, the creation story. So this is where Christians believe we get a a glimpse into how everything came to be. And so in in Genesis 1, you see that there's this eternal, all-powerful, almighty God who, when there was nothing, begins to create. And he creates the heavens and he creates the earth. He creates the sea and he creates the the galaxies. He creates the the plants and he creates the animals. And and just picture this. He, He creates this world where nothing's wrong. Nothing's broken. Nothing's fractured. And no animals are, are trying to get at, at each other and eat each other. There's no plants that are dying off. Everything is just perfect and good. And then God says that he's going to create the, the pinnacle of his creation. And this is where we read in Genesis 2, uh, 7, up on the screen. It says, the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we see that God forms man, he breathes into him, and now he has created man. He goes on to create a spouse for him, and he creates woman. Now, he tells man and woman, Adam and Eve, he tells his human beings that are in his image and in his likeness that they're going to get to rule the land. He says, I want you to to rule and reign. I want you to lead the land. I want you to to create and cultivate good things. So he's created this perfect earth, and he's created his image bearers to lead and to rule and to reign. Now, one of the most unique things that we see in Genesis 1 and 2 is that before there was any sin, when everything was perfect, they had this unique and complete like access to God. So there was no distance, there's no separation. In the Garden of Eden, they were just with God. They walked with him. They lived their life with him. Until we see Genesis 3. And in Genesis 3, uh, we get this heartbreaking story about how even though man and woman were with God and they got to do whatever they wanted except for one thing, They decided they no longer wanted to be with God. They no longer wanted to worship God. They wanted to be gods themselves. And so they they rebelled against God. And in that, they they sin and they fracture everything. Like all of this perfect world that God set up is now fractured and ruined because of man's rebellion. And then I would say of this whole chapter, the most heartbreaking verse comes in Genesis 3, verse 23. Because they sinned, it says, therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden. So just, just imagine this moment in our history. Adam and Eve, perfectly with God, they sin, and God no longer says, hey, be with me. God says, because of sin, you have to go. Because God is so holy, and Adam and Eve have now sinned and fractured this relationship, they no longer get to be with God. So think for a moment, um, I think most of us have probably felt this at some point. Have you, have you ever felt the, the sense of, of God just being kind of distant? 
Right? Maybe you've believed in God. Maybe you, maybe you don't know if you believe in God. And you have this sense inside of you some days where you just feel like God is just kind of far off. That you kind of maybe see God a little bit, but there's just this blur. There's this, you can't quite fully believe in him or it feels like God sometimes is near and then sometimes is far off. Maybe you've had the feeling that you've seen some of the things you've done. You've seen some of the sins you've committed. You've seen some of the acts that you've done and you just have the sense of, man, maybe God has actually purposely just left me. Right? Maybe I've done a few too many bad things and like Genesis 3, maybe God has just kind of sent you off. You ever feel that? You ever feel that kind of loneliness, a little bit of despair inside, just wondering, man, is God actually real? Is he actually here? You know, I would say that that feeling, that emotion that you get, that loneliness that kind of uh, gets into your soul sometimes is a result of Genesis 3. Because you and I have sinned, we, we don't have this perfect access to God anymore. We don't have this ever-present nature of by, by naturally with God because our sin has caused the separation. Our sin has caused God to say, go. So what I want us to see is that we were created for a life with God, but sin has caused the separation with God. Now, here's the, the, the beautiful thing, and this is going to get us into the big part of this story is that in Genesis 3, it would have been right and just and fitting for God to say, mankind has to go and I'm done with them, right? We rebel against the king, the creator, the one who wanted to give you everything and you've said no thanks and God has every right to just say, okay, then we're done. But starting from this point on in the book of Genesis, God begins a rescue mission. God doesn't just say, you've gone too far. God says, I'm going to come and get you. And all of this, this idea that we were rescued for a life with God begins in in Genesis. So God comes to this man named Abram. Maybe you've heard of him as Abraham. And and God comes to this man and he says, okay, Abram, I'm going to begin to fix this. I'm going to fix it. I've created for mankind to be with me. They've walked away from me, but I'm going to fix this and I'm going to start with you. And look at Genesis 17. This is a call that God gives to Abraham. He says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. So you know that this idea of walk in the Bible, as you, we're going to see this over and over again. It, it's a relational term. So uh, I don't know if you guys ever had this, but I, uh, when my wife and I when Bailey and I started dating, um, we were starting to kind of get to know each other. So we were kind of friends, but we didn't know each other super well. Um, and so we were, we were starting to kind of get to know each other. And what often happened is we would end up just kind of like walking places together, right? So we lived in the dorms, so we would walk from the dorms to the cafeteria, and you get like three minutes where you get to kind of talk and, and interact. Or we'd walk from the dorms to the um, to a restaurants right around us, or we'd go on these walks. And what would happen is, when you're just kind of walking with somebody, you kind of, you begin to get to know them, right? Like you begin to talk to them. It's a, it's a very relational type thing. You begin to get to see how they interact with other people, how they interact with you. As you're doing this, it's kind of, you're just beginning to live life with them. Well, that's what the Bible's talking about when, he, when God's calling people to walk with him. It's the sense of, of relationship. When he's calling Abraham to walk with him, he's calling him to be into relationship with him, the very thing that Adam and Eve didn't want to do, God says, I'm going to rescue you for this. 
says, I want you to walk with me. I want you to be guided by me. And for the rest of the Bible, as we're going to sort of start to see, is, is God drawing near to people. If you flip one book to the, the book of Exodus, it's this beautiful story where in Exodus 1 and 2, there's this despair, there's this destruction because the people of God don't know where God is. He's not near to them. They feel that separation. And so God comes and he redeems them and he rescues them and he builds a relationship with them. And I love at the very end of Exodus, we'll throw this verse on the screen. It says, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. He he built this tent and he said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to come and be near to you. And from this point on, God said, I am now going to fix the world by having my presence be with you. But once again, we have this ability to have God come to us and us say no. Right? Have you ever felt that in your life where, where you feel like God is kind of pressing in, but you say, man, but I still really want some of these things. Like I know God might be real. or I know he might be kind of uh, doing something in my life, but I don't want to give up some of these things. I don't want to give up some of these uh, things that I cling so close to, whether it be a relationship or uh, uh, money or whether it be my job or my time. We say, man, I know God is somewhat close, but I just can't give these things up. Well, if you read the whole Old Testament, that's essentially what it is. God's saying, look, I want to be with you. I want to come to you. I want to walk with you. And Israel continually walks in sin. They continually say no. And so God does maybe the greatest act in human history. You see, even though the people walked in this darkness, we, we walked in this um, sin and destruction, God said that he was going to come for us. Look at John 1, 14. God sent his own son to be with us. He says the word, this is Jesus, became flesh. He dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Don't miss this. God now no longer is in a tent. He's no longer a pillar of fire. He's no longer at a distance. But God said, I'm going to send myself to you. He sent the light of the world, John says, to us. He came for us. God himself in fullness dwelt among us in Jesus. But once again, we as people, as stubborn as we can be, said, no, thank you. And so even though Jesus walked with his disciples and he led uh, this ministry of miracles and healings and all this, the people said, no. And so 2,000 years ago, Jesus, even though he was God himself, perfect in his life, he took this cross. And he took this cross not only because you and I didn't want him to be here, not only because people didn't want him here, but he took the cross because you and I have these sins and this problem that we are separated from God. And it took God coming to us to die for us for this to be right. You see, the whole rescue mission from Genesis 12 to the point of Jesus is that God would come to us and that God would die for us. Friends, this morning, I want us to think about if your view of Christianity, if one of your answers earlier 
was simply that Christianity is about being good enough or bad enough. If Christianity is about following certain rules or saying no to certain things, I want to see from the Bible that God says, you and I, that all people in human history have all been too bad. (laughs) There's no amount of good that you can do to make up for the wrongs that we've committed, the sins that we have done. And that is why God sent Jesus. Because Jesus, on the cross, faced the separation of God on your behalf. So you were, because of your sin, cast out. And on the cross, when Jesus cried out for God to come near, God said no. So remember back, when, when you, if you've ever felt like maybe you've sinned too far, you've gone too, too far, or you've done too much, and you feel like God just has pushed me out, I want you to hear that on the cross, Jesus took that separation. He took that wrath on your part so that God forevermore could now say, come. Right? God no longer says, go from my presence, but because of what Jesus has done, he has freed us to now say, come. The rescue mission of God was not to to show you some rules for you to get a little bit better. It's because you were separated from God that Jesus came so that you could once again have life with God. This is the whole purpose of Christianity. The whole climax of the story is Jesus on the cross taking what you deserved and offering you the presence of God. This is the rescue mission that God has come for. And so this morning, I want us to see that, that everything else we share in this uh, uh, series, everything else that we're going to talk about is only true if you've accepted and believed in the fact that Jesus has come to die for you. Nothing else we're going to share in this series is true of you if you don't believe that. You can believe that you're a good person and you can believe that you're doing enough, but nothing else is actually true. There's no freedom, there's no true salvation, there's no true hope if you are not found in Jesus because none of the stuff that we are gonna talk about is true outside of the presence of God. There is no life apart from life with God because he created you, he's the author of life and our sin does not bring life, it brings death. And what's beautiful is that Jesus, if you've trusted in him, He says in John that he is going to send his spirit to dwell in you. So think about this. In the garden, God created us to be with him. Jesus has recreated us to be with him. And now he has sent his spirit inside of you. I love uh, in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to get this walk language again. And he says this. He says, now for you today, he says, walk by the spirit. For if we live by the Spirit, we keep step with the Spirit. Again, this is, this is all action talk. This is moving. This is being guided by the Spirit. He's saying, look, if you are a Christian, that does not just mean you should sit in church on Sundays. It does not just mean you should read your Bibles or check off boxes. It says the Christian life is the one with God inside of us. It's the one where you never have to fully feel the separation from God again. It's the life that actually brings excitement and joy because the God who created all things, the God who died for you is the God that's inside of you. So hear me, if you're a Christian, 
If you've trusted in Jesus, you have God Almighty in you. He dwells within you. He wants to lead you and guide you. It's a story that Jared told about in this parking lot that while, that, that he just prompts you and he leads you and he reveals things to you. And Christianity is not so formulaic. It is simply just walking with him. So let me uh, end this point by giving you an illustration. Um, so my, my son uh, is about nine months now. And about a month ago, he started to figure out how to stand and so now, now that he's standing, he's trying to figure out how to walk. But he's a big kid with a big head and big thighs, so he kind of just topples over when he tries to. And so uh, what usually happens is he'll kind of get up and he just kind of flips over. So in order to help him start to walk, what I did right away was uh, I'd get behind him and I'd put my fingers out and he would grab my fingers and then he would just start to move. Now, without holding onto my fingers, he could go nowhere. Like he started to move and he would just fall. But I would grab his fingers and we'd begin to walk. Now for him, once he started moving, he'd get so excited. He'd kind of freak out. And so usually he'd just get so excited, he'd forget to walk and he'd again, try to like just fall over or his head would get in front of him and he topples over. Um, But the other thing is that when he would start to move, all he could see because of his vantage point, he could just see what was right in front of him. So he would either look down or he'd kind of look here and he had no concept of everything that was going on. Now, For me, as I'm leading him, I can see, okay, there's a couch over here. There's a coffee table with a sharp end over here. The stairs are right over here. There's something over here. So I get the whole picture. And so what I'm doing is I'm just slowly guiding him as he's learning how to walk. Now, as he's doing that, I'm slowly getting him away from certain things I don't want him into. I'm slowly guiding him towards things I want him into. And, and right away, uh, he would sort of resist this. He didn't really like this sense that I was kind of guiding him. So he'd kind of fight and then he'd fall over and, and we'd get up and he'd kind of fight again and he'd fall over. But pretty soon, as he started to sense, man, if I just hold on and just move my legs, he guides me wherever I go. And so all of a sudden he started to find this joy and he just started running. Like he just would pick his legs up and he would start to move and I would guide him exactly where I wanted him to go. I'd keep him from where I didn't want him to go. And I think this is similar to what living life with the presence of God is like. You know, right away when we become Christians, we we kind of resist this thing. We get so tunnel focused that we think uh, we kind of know it all, even though we only see a, a step in front of us and we forget that we have a God inside of us, a God that's guiding us, that sees the whole picture. He sees everything that's going on. He sees what, where he wants you to go. He sees where he doesn't want you to go. He sees the things that will hurt you and the things that will bring you joy. And I think that a life with God is a slow submission to finding joy and just being led by him. I just like my son slowly started to find excitement and joy when he gave up trying to run things on his own and just be led by me. Now, He still couldn't walk without me. He still would tumble without me. But as he just grabbed onto my fingers and just said, wherever you're leading me, I'm going, he found joy and life and an ability to walk. And I think for us, that's our hope through this series. That we would see that the reason that Jesus rescued you, the reason that Jesus has saved you, so that his spirit could come inside of you and so that he could lead you, so that he could teach you how to walk, so that we could walk in step with him. And again, for most of the weeks coming up, 
We're just going to look at what does it mean to just slowly grab onto our Father's hands and let him lead and guide us. What does it look like for us to just find joy in walking wherever God leads us? What does it look like for us to give up the boxes that we need to check and just walk with life with God? This is what we were rescued for. He didn't save you just to give you a ticket into heaven. He saved you to give him himself. And now, let me say this point to close. Um, I want us to view that this isn't the end of the story. This life isn't the end of the story. There's one final chapter. And I want us to view that eternity, that we have this eternal life to come. And that eternity is not just about rainbows and, and, and little angels with harps and whatever else you might think of when you think of heaven. But eternity is life with God. So let me read this passage again. Uh, It's in Revelation 21. It says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, Finally, just get the anticipation that for thousands of years since Eden, we've been longing for this. And he says, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. The whole rescue mission was getting us to this point at the end. From Genesis 12, when God called Abram, it was getting us to this point where God could fully and finally be with us. The chapter goes on to say, every tear that you've cried will be wiped away. The death that you feel will be no more. The pain that plagues you will be gone. The shame that you feel will finally be turned into honor. Everything will be gone because God will be with us. What you taste now by the spirit being inside of you, you will see fully one day. And you know, there's a song that we're gonna sing at the end of this service about the faithfulness of God. If you've been around Providence, you know this is somewhat of an anthem for us, the song Yes and Amen. It's a song that says, God, you are faithful, faithful you are, and faithful forever you will be. And I gotta tell you guys, as I was driving in this morning, I, I listened to that song thinking about this verse. And I thought, man, God has been faithful. He's been faithful to this church. He's been faithful in my life. He has done great things, but I found myself longing, saying, God, you will be faithful still. You've been faithful in the past, but I know that Revelation 21.3 is coming. I know that my pain and hurt is going away. I know that the pain and hurt that I see out here is gonna go away. I know that, God, you are faithful. And I love in that song, The kind of anthem is just, I will rest in your promises. It says, God, if you say that you will fully and finally dwell with us forever, I will rest in that. I will trust in that. I will taste it now, but I will feast on the presence of God one day. That's what Christianity is all about. It's what the core of Christianity is, is this rescue mission for God to be with his people. And we look forward to that last day. And so for us, let me close with just a piece of kind of application for us. If this is true and if the whole Bible is moving us towards this end to where we'll finally be with God, um, I want to ask two things of us moving forward in this series. Uh, The first one, I would just ask, would you commit to being present? 
Um, we're going to look at all these different aspects about what life with God will look like. And, and we think that it's going to be beneficial to help us trust in holding the Father's hands and just being led by him. And so would you be here on Sundays? Would you be in a city group? Would you get in a huddle? We want you to do this, not again to check boxes, because we think those are in, uh, steps that we can take to learn how to do this more. Well, the second thing is if Revelation 21.3 is, is true, and for God's people, those who trust in Jesus, that is the end, then that's the whole driving force for this board. Like the whole reason we have names on this board is because there are people that that is, that is not their end. That's not their story. They've yet to trust in Jesus. It's why that we're praying throughout this whole fall for people to meet Jesus. It's why we want to be active in telling people that there is a God who created them, who wants to be with them, and is creating a whole world for them in the end. But it's all based on their trust in Jesus. Because in their sin, where they're separated, and in Jesus, this all becomes true. So if you're here, would you not just come, but would you invite? Would you tell people about this story, about God's rescue mission for them, that Jesus died to save them, that, they, that God is making a, a whole new earth for them to be with him? And would you be active in praying for people? Would we ask God, would you please save people, bring people to yourself? As you're going through this fall, as you meet people on a Sunday morning, even this morning, would you write their names on this board? And we want to be praying and be actively inviting. And finally, if you're in the room this morning, and as I'm saying all this, you're getting that sense of, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I've ever trusted in that. I don't think I've ever believed in that. I don't think that I've ever truly saw that Christianity is about Jesus Christ bringing me back to God. Um, I would ask, would this morning be the morning that you trust in him? Would you actually believe in him, maybe for the very first time, that, that as we go through this series, that, that you would get to walk with God and find out all the benefits of what God does for his people? But would you know that that's only true if you first place your faith in him? So in a moment, we're gonna, I'm going to pray and we're going to partake in communion. And I want to invite you, if you've never trusted in Jesus before, uh, would you make that decision this morning? Would you trust that God created you and that even though you rebelled against him, he has saved you in Jesus alone so that he could be with you forever? And if that's you, uh, there's going to be a few of us in the back. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you and celebrate with you that Jesus may have just saved your soul to be with him forever. And so if that's you or if you're having questions, we'd love to pray with you. For anybody else, um, would you come forward and take communion here in a moment? Uh, and maybe as you do, would you consider the end to which we're created for? That this bread and juice is just a simple sign of this feast that's to come, the presence of God that's to come where all his people will gather with him. So let me pray. Communion service, you can come forward. Band, you can come forward. And we're going to take communion. Father, we are thankful, God, that you have made a way, that you have rescued us by your son, Jesus Christ. God, I pray now for anyone in the room who is wrestling with you, who is um, struggling to maybe believe in you, God, would you reveal yourself to them? Would you show them that you are faithful that you're faithful to save, that you're faithful to be with them, you're faithful to teach them how to walk, and you are faithful to dwell with them forevermore. 
God, for all of us, would you help this series kind of reignite a passion for you that, that Christianity is about life with you? Would you help us in that? And as we come forward now, God, would we experience your grace? Would we know that your presence is greater than life and it is all because of your son, Jesus? We pray all this in his holy name. Amen.